0: One of the most common signs is that very loud inner critic that's saying, oh, I'm not good enough or constantly comparing inside your head in a negative way. And it's very loud. Like that's a sign that you might be suffering from comparisonitis. Another one is feeling like you're behind, whether it's with babies, buying houses. I'm too old to go to college or go back to university. Everyone else has done that. Those sorts of things or getting married. That feeling of behindness is definitely a sign that you might be suffering from comparisonitis.
1: That's Melissa Ambrosini. And this is episode 124 of the Proof Podcast. hope you are doing well, keeping fit and healthy and are excited for the week ahead and this episode. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. For new listeners, welcome. It's great to have you here. I hope this is the first of many times we get a chance to hang out together. By way of background, I'm Simon Hill, qualified physiotherapist and nutritionist and host of this show. You're in my hands for the next little bit, and I promise I don't take that lightly. I realize your time is valuable, and today, let's be honest, there's literally thousands of podcasts to listen to. One tiny note before we do get into today's episode. It's only a few weeks now until my book, The Proof is in the Plants, is available on May 4th. You've got your copyright. I suspect you do. If not, if for some reason you you haven't pre-ordered and you're enjoying this show, you've been enjoying this show and what I've had to say and what my guests have had to say, and you're interested in really, really understanding what we should be eating for a healthy body and mind and planet and how to optimize our diet, head to plantproof.com forward slash book. That's plantproof.com forward slash book and grab a copy. And if you have any friends or family who you think could also benefit from reading my book, gift them a copy as well. Getting very excited now, just a, a few weeks away until it will be in your hands. And I must also add, I really appreciate the support of each of you who have already pre-ordered a copy. The pre-sales have, have blown both myself and Penguin away. It's been phenomenal. And when you do order, save your receipt. I have four bonus e-guides being released on my website for everyone who buys a copy. A blood test guide, a supplement guide, a tracking your progress guide, and a plant-proof pyramid guide, which contains color versions of my plant-proof food and oil pyramids. I'm confident that when you read my book and put the recommendations in part three into practice, your health is going to go from strength to strength and you'll feel better about the way you're fueling yourself too. Now, today's episode, a slight change of gear as we step away from nutrition, our comfort zone and shift over to explore mental health. Another key aspect of wellness with my good friend and best-selling author, Melissa Ambrosini. I have had the privilege of reading Melissa's new book, Comparisonitis, and I genuinely, genuinely believe there is no better time, no better time than right now for this message of hers to be spread far and wide. To say Melissa's message landed with me is an understatement, with the advent of the internet today, it's possible to compare ourselves to more people than ever before. You'll always find someone who is a better writer than you, a better speaker, better looking, better at sport, etc. And while this comparison can bring with it huge positives, can be healthy, let's not look past the fact that it can also send us into a downward spiral of low self-esteem, low self-worth, and generally leave us feeling pretty crummy about our life. Enter Comparisonitis, Melissa's brand new book, which walks us through not only what we should be looking out for when it comes to this condition, but how to proactively take action to stop it getting the better of us. How to more safely use social media, and how to impart this knowledge to our children. Sounds like good stuff, right? It is. And with that said, let's jump into it. This is myself and Melissa Ambrosini recording from the rolling hills of the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. I hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you on the other side. in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link, which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. Melissa, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that we got to do this in person.
1: I know, and we started doing it remotely but it was meant to be and here we are. So maybe for the listeners, it would be nice to kind of explain where we're sitting and what this part of the world is all about.
0: So we are currently in the Sunshine Coast hinterland on a couple of acres and we can see beautiful rolling mountains and we can hear birds and we saw a little kangaroo this morning and there's so many beautiful animals and it's so, so gorgeous here. I saw the most beautiful sunrise this morning. It was hot pink and you've come to stay and it's just so lovely here.
1: And you forgot to mention the beautiful man as well that's
0: gracing (laughs) us with his presence. Yes, my husband, Nick Broadhurst, sitting over in the corner. We've told him to be nice and quiet, so (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Usually there's dogs in the background of your <laughs> interviews. Yeah, that's right.
1: So, yeah, for those who have been listening to the show, you've probably heard special features, commentary from Gnocchi and Giuseppe. So they're not <laughs> here today, but we've replaced them with some birds that may be chirping.
0: And Nick. <laughs> and Nick.
1: <laughs> um, so tell me, so, of course, we, we've we been friends for a while. We met in Bondi. You and Nick moved up to Noosa, Few years ago now, right?
0: Yes, two years ago.
1: And that was very much a lifestyle move. Mm-hmm. Describe Noosa because there may be some listeners who are tuning in from the other side of the world and perhaps have never heard of it. Can you can you sort of just describe geographically what Noosa is like and, and the types of things that you and Nick like to do there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, we used to live in Bondi, like down the road from you, which was so lovely. Uh, but for those that have been there we will know it's a lot busier. It's a, it's a city. It's beautiful. Like visually it's a stunning place to live. But we had been coming up to the Sunshine Coast for many years. Nick's parents live up here and we'd come up here and we just loved it. We loved the feeling when we got off the aeroplanes here. Like it's just calm and you go slower and you breathe deeper and the air feels fresher and everyone is just so much more <laughs> chilled and not that there's not that hustle and bustle and that fast pace. And we always thought one day we'll move here and uh, I have a 15-year-old bonus son, I call him.
1: I love that, so, that word bonus son, and you use that in your book.
0: I do, <laughs> yes. And uh, so he lives in Sydney, so we always thought, oh, we'll move when he's finished high school, he's got a couple more years to go. And then this place just landed in our lap. So one time when we were coming up here, it was open on, in the local paper on Nick's parents' kitchen bench. And his dad said, you guys should go and check that out because every time we'd come up here, we would look at property and land, you know, just out of curiosity because we loved it. And we went and saw this place and immediately when we walked in, Nick and his mum and dad said, this is it. And they looked at each other and they were like, and I was like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean this is it? What do you mean? And it needed renovating and we did, you, you know, did an
1: unbelievable job on
0: yes, that. that. Yes, that is Nick's very artistic eye. Um, he worked with one of his good friends who's an incredible architect, Dirk, and they worked together and created the most beautiful home that we now live in. And yeah, Noosa, for anyone who's never been there, it's just so calm and relaxed. Like I was saying, it's just a lot more chilled. It's just really beautiful. It's a lifestyle a lifestyle thing that you move here for.
1: Yeah. And I guess it might be interesting for listeners to hear a little bit about your background because although you've kind of escaped the hustle and bustle, you're a very busy person. You've done a lot. Before we get into the book, that you're about to bring out into the wild. Can you give me a bit of a background as to the things that you've been doing with your life over the past decade and what it is that you have been sort of throwing yourself into what you're most passionate about? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, in 2010, that is when I had my big life transformation and transition, but I'll go back before that. Before that, I was actually a professional dancer and I did acting and TV presenting and a little bit of modeling. And I worked in Paris. I danced at the Moulin Rouge for a year. I've seen that. You have?
1: I've seen the Moulin Rouge. Yes. It's fantastic.
0: It's amazing. And it was Incredibly taxing on the body at the same time. So we were doing two shows a night, six nights a week. So you do 12 shows. And I was a Can Can girl, so it is just full on. Like your my body was sore every day. And at that time in my life, I had no idea about nutrition. So I was I was just so inflamed eating everything that is not conducive to vitality and longevity. And I was inflamed. I was sore. Every muscle, every bone was just in agony. And then I moved to London for two years and I continued dancing and doing acting and TV presenting. And then my visa expired and I had to move back to Australia. And I was absolutely devastated. I didn't want to move back. I really wanted to stay in London. Where did you live in London? I lived all over. All over. Okay. Yeah. Like a, Fulham a, and Clapham. Clapham. And,
1: there's a big Aussie expat
0: community there. <laughs> yes. So many Aussies. And it was such a great time. You know, I was like 22 and I was having a ball and making such great money, traveling all over. Europe and going to America and dancing and being on TV shows. It was so much fun.
1: Character building too, I imagine.
0: Absolutely. And then when I had to move back to Australia, I was so disappointed and it felt, it felt really premature to me. Uh, and then coming back to Australia with no job, I had no, no friends, Like my friends that I, the two girls that I knew in Australia didn't want to be my friend anymore. So like I was kind of dumped by this guy in London, dumped by my friends. Was
1: that because you you sort of changed in terms of what your values and beliefs and what was important to you? Or why do you think there was that disconnect there?
0: Yes, definitely. Because I was shifting and they, yeah, it, it just triggered them in some way. And so my boyfriend in London dumped me. My friends... That didn't want to be my friend anymore. I had no job. I was sleeping on my friend's sister's fold-out single hospital bed in her lounge room. I had no income coming in, and I was just completely lost. Like, what am I doing with my life? Because the industry in Australia for a performer is just not as thriving as it is in London or New York or LA or
1: well, Moulin Rouge. Like, that's a, that's a long way away from performing
0: in Moulin Rouge. Exactly. I went from performing on the best stage in the world to like, do you want to do a shopping centre performance gig? And I was like, what? Like, no. Like, like that. It was just so polarising for me and a massive reality check. And I struggled so much and I started spiralling into very destructive patterns, partying, surrounding myself with unhealthy relationships, dating very toxic men, um, not nourishing my body. And I was doing temping work and nannying just to make money so I could survive and had absolutely no idea about nutrition at this time. And I remember this one moment where I was so depressed and had such bad anxiety and such bad panic attacks that one of my girlfriends she said to me, you know, she called me and she's like, where are you? And I was just in bed. It was probably like one in the afternoon or something. She's like, get up and go to the doctor and get, at that time you could get like six sessions to see a, a therapist. So I went and saw a therapist and she gave me six sessions and put me on antidepressants. And cause I was losing a lot of weight cause I was so anxious and things like that. And then it just kept on spiraling, like having all these health issues, like eczema all over my body and my period was non-existent and then it would come and then it, would, it was just all over the place. I had hormonal issues. I had adrenal fatigue, thyroid problems. I had hives all over my body. And then I got the worst case of the cold sore virus. I'd never had a cold sore before in my entire life and I had them all over my face in my mouth and down my throat. And it put me in hospitals, in hospital for a week on morphine and antivirals and antibiotics. So I was dealing with all these physical health issues but also mental health issues at the same time. And that was October 2009. And I'm in hospital with my mum and my dad by my side and that was this moment where I was just like rock bottom, this is it, right, okay, I'm here. And I, then I thought to myself, surely this isn't why we're here on earth, to suffer the way that I, I was suffering. And surely God or the universe didn't put us here to suffer. And I realised in that moment I had this voice that came to me and I didn't know it was my intuition at the time because I didn't, wouldn't have known what my intuition was because I was so disconnected from myself. But it was like if you get healthy and happy again, you'll live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get healthy and happy, healthy and happy. And that became my mantra, healthy and happy, healthy and happy. And I didn't know how to do those two things. Uh, And then a friend, a newish friend that I'd met like maybe a month before in a yoga class sent me a package. And in that package was a book that literally changed my life. And it was called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And I read that book and I remember reading it. And turning to my mom and my dad and I'm like, why haven't you told me this stuff? Like, why haven't you shared this with me? And they were like, oh, Melissa, we're doing the best that we can and, and granted they are and everyone is.
1: And a lot of the times children don't necessarily want to always listen to their parents. <laughs> yeah.
0: <Right>. Really? Really? <laughs> Absolutely. And from there I just had that mantra in my head healthy and happy, get healthy and happy. And I knew the lowest hanging fruit for me was nutrition because my body was just falling apart physically and mentally. And so I went and studied holistic nutrition. I did a course for a year and I loved it. And I began implementing everything that that they were teaching, like about whole foods and organic and removing all the chemicals, like everything. And I started doing it and instantly I started to feel better and my skin would clear up and I had more energy and I thought, oh, this is amazing, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep doing it. And then I started this thing called a blog. This was in 2010 at the very start when no one really had blogs
1: and that was the only thing. Like if you're going to put content out, having a blog was you would have been an early adopter, but there wasn't really any other channels, right? That no. people were regularly putting content out on. That was the thing.
0: Exactly. And I began sharing what I was learning in this nutrition course because it was quite holistic. Like it was, we spoke about spirituality. It's not just about food. It was very much about um, they call them primary foods, so like your relationships and the work that you do in the world, and stress management. So we look at your life, Very cool. yeah, it was awesome. And I began sharing what I was learning on my blog and sharing my battle with an eating disorder and sharing uh, how I'd moved through that and things like that. And it was getting so many comments and so many page views and unique visits. And then later, when I'd met my husband, A couple of years later, he said, have you seen your Google Analytics? And I was like, Google what? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, do you know how many people visit your website? And I was like, no, because it just wasn't even about the numbers for me. It was just I wanted to share what I was learning. And then from there, I realised that it's not just about what you put in your mouth. It's about what goes on up here, which is so important. And we need to look at that too. And I went on and studied life coaching and I became a certified life coach. I studied meditation teacher training, so I became a meditation teacher, a yoga teacher. I studied acuenergetics, which is like energy healing work. And I just became obsessed with this health, wellness, spirituality and personal development world.
1: Would you say that that was sort of a journey over a handful of years? Like how long did that play out over?
0: Oh my gosh, years. Yeah. So like, I'm still on that journey. Yeah. So this is like going on 11 years. I'm still on that journey. Now I'm still learning. I'm never going to stop learning. I'm always reading. I'm so hungry for knowledge and uh, information.
1: How did you navigate the the sort of toxic relationship aspects of your lifestyle and the parting and things like that? You know, you you spoke about you upgraded your nutrition and you were making healthier food choices and feeling better. I think people can sometimes find it hard to change the environment they're in and the habits they have in terms of partying and things like that. Were there any particular strategies that you found helpful to navigate that?
0: Yes, and I write a lot about this in my second book, which is called Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And I talk a lot about relationships in that. And this is something that I get asked a lot because, yeah, lots of people, they kind of remove the toxins from their food and then they they realise that they're surrounded by very unhealthy relationships that aren't serving them or their highest good, you know, they're tearing them down and what really worked for me was and this is something that everyone can kind of start to do today is tune in to how you feel when you're with someone like do you feel lit up do you feel inspired do you feel excited do you like being in that person's company or do you kind of walk away and you're like oh i just feel really icky and contract contracting you know like do your shoulders come forward or There's some people where you walk away from an interaction with them and you're just like, that was amazing, like so inspired, I can do anything or feel really crap about yourself. And I think that's one of the first things that people can do is tune into that. How do I feel? And then this isn't about dumping people, dumping friends. I then say go and spend more time with the people that light you up and less time with the ones that don't. Just put your energy there because where your attention goes, energy flows. And the more time you spend in those relationships and nurturing those relationships, it's like that crowding out theory, you know, instead of like with nutrition, people are like, oh, I've got to avoid this, I've got to avoid this. It's like, no, 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 crowd it in with the good stuff, put more of the good stuff in. And then eventually that will just kind of resolve itself. And it will, it just does. The universe takes care of things for you. It supports you.
1: Yeah, there's the other saying around it, you can't give from an empty cup, which is similar. So when you're around people who are lighting you up, you're, you're not constantly emptying out your cup.
0: Totally. And it comes to setting healthy boundaries as well. You know, I talk about this a lot in Open Wide and my book that's out now, Comparisonite, is like setting healthy boundaries. I think especially as women, we have this people-pleasing lineage that, I mean, I'm definitely aware of and been trying, been aware of breaking because it's not something I, as you know, I'm pregnant right now and not something I want to pass on to my daughter.
1: It's hard to navigate though, right? You can always fall back into... You know, am I doing this for me or am I doing this to please other people?
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. it
1: deserves you know, quite deep thoughts at times.
0: Absolutely. And that's another thing like when we tune in to ourselves and like become aware, you can ask that question. Am I doing this to people please or am I doing this because I want to? Like I actually it's from my heart or am I doing it because I think I should? There's that should word. Whenever that word should comes in is like be mindful of that. Be really mindful of that. And maybe we do with, when it comes to relationships, we need to set some healthy boundaries. When it comes to social media, we need to set some healthy boundaries for ourselves so that we can thrive. Otherwise you're just, that cup is just getting emptier and emptier and emptier all the time.
1: If you've tuned in to the many episodes I've done focusing on cardiovascular disease, the leading cause of death globally, Optimize your health and longevity. Your data tells the story of your health. With Inside Tracker, get to know your story and create a lifestyle that delivers better health for longer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started and redeem this offer, go to insidetrackercom forward slash Simon. That's insidetrackercom forward slash Simon. So thirty six weeks pregnant now, is that right? Thirty five. Thirty five. As weeks. we
0: record this, and that, I'm if I'm really puffed out, this is what happens. <laughs> like I, <I'm, laughs> when you're this far pregnant, because everything's expanding so much, like your lungs, and oh my gosh, like you get puffed out really quickly. So I feel like I'm running a marathon right now. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: we won't hold that <laughs> yeah. against you. So two new babies coming out. The book. The, the book. And the, the baby girl.
0: The baby girl.
1: Um, now, we could dedicate an entire episode to nutrition. And, mm-hmm. and I guess the listeners on this show are quite used to going down that path. And uh, we could talk about your plant-based journey, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we should circle back and do that one day. Um, but today I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about comparisonitis. Your new book—is this the fourth book or third book?
0: Well, this is my third physical book because I did an Audible original in there as well. But yeah, so three, four, three or four. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, fantastic book, really, really powerful. The uh, as I said to you last night when we were having dinner, as I was reading it, I really thought about how much of it applied to my own life, and I think it's a it's a message that will land with everyone in a different way but people I think are affected by what you're talking about in your book and what we're going to explore no matter who they are can you sort of preface this conversation around what comparisonitis is by definition
0: Yeah, absolutely. So comparisonitis is when we compare ourselves to someone else in an unhealthy or toxic way and we make it mean something about ourselves. For example... I compare myself to you. I make it mean that I'm not good enough. I'm not as smart as you. So we make it mean something negative about ourselves. That's comparisonitis. And in the book, I talk about there are healthy comparisons and there are very unhealthy comparisons. And the unhealthy ones lead to toxic comparisons, which we spiral down into this dark hole. You know, and it's not it's not good for us. And a majority of people fall into that category, the latter. And we need to do something about it now because if we don't address it now within ourselves, you know, how are we going to support our children and help them because they're growing up with mobile phones attached to their hand at five years old and they're exposed to this social media world at such a young age. And I guess, you know, there's a couple of inspirations that prompted me to write this book, Uh, One of them being mm, a few years ago, I lost a friend to suicide who had battled with severe comparison, bullying. And from as young as I think 13, and she was, you know, my age, 34, and she just could not get out of that state. And we know from the data that anxiety, panic attacks, Depression and suicide rates are all on the rise. They're not going down,
1: particularly in the last year.
0: Oh my God. It's crazy. And so when I saw, like, I've got goosebumps. Like, when I saw that data about anxiety, and because I have suffered from anxiety and panic attacks and depression, I know what it's like. And when I saw that the how much it's increased over the last 10 years, I was like, I've got to look into this, you know, watching that documentary, Social Dilemma, and I'm not blaming social media. Like, we've always compared ourselves, but I think it definitely has contributed to the severity.
1: entered our lives without a manual or a guide about how to use it safely, right? And particularly if you're not mindful of how you're using it, you know, for example, I imagine many children are not really thinking about their mental health as they're navigating it. It's just really rapidly entered our lives and we we don't I, we don't fully appreciate what the effects of it are on our mental health.
0: Exactly. And you're all about health, and you talk like you said on this show a lot about nutritional health, but like I mentioned before, like what goes up on up here, our mental health is so important. It is so, and same with our gut health, like it's so important that we address this because you could be eating all the kale and green smoothies in the world, but if you've got really toxic thoughts or I call it that loud inner critic, you know, if you've got that really loud inner critic, then it kind of doesn't balance out. Yeah,
1: diet by no means is a panacea. You need the whole package.
0: Exactly. It needs to be
1: holistic approach. To health. When you set out to start writing, you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started writing another book and you speak about this in the introduction. Can you explain what happened there and why you decided to? scrap that for the moment anyway, and then pivot to comparisonitis?
0: Yes. So my husband and I were writing a book together. We had written about 80,000 words. We were pretty much finished. We had a signed book contract agreement, book deals done, everything. And It literally happened whilst I was kind of sitting on the toilet scrolling on Instagram. and As you do. As you do. As you do. It's not a habit I'm proud of, and I talk about this in the book. It's something that we all need to stop taking our phones to the toilet with us. Really? Like, do we need to do that? But, like, I'm sure everyone listening is, like, guilty.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's the new uh, newspaper.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so we had... Written eighty thousand words together, it was a very powerful book, it was a very practical book, uh, and we will do something with it later. Um, but I'm I'm sitting on the loo, and I see this author, this New York Times best-selling author that I love and admire, hit the New York Times bestseller list again for what felt like you know the millionth time, and here I am comparing myself, going, why can't my books be New York Times bestsellers like? what's wrong with my writing? Like is my, I'm not good enough? And that whole negative inner critic started spiraling in my head and ended up getting up, going upstairs, sitting at my desk and I opened my email and there's an email from this girl called Kathy and Kathy said to me, Melissa, I love your work. You know, you've inspired me so much, your podcast, your books. I've been to a couple of your live events. Your meditations have changed my life. Like, beautiful email. And then at the end, she says, I'm writing my first book and I can't stop comparing myself to you. I want to write best selling books like you. All of my books have been best selling books. And I just had this light bulb moment. I'm like, at that exact moment, I'm comparing myself to this person and Kathy's comparing herself to me. And I was just like, we're all just comparing ourselves to everyone.
1: Mm. And, that, and the, the New York Times bestseller would have been comparing herself to someone.
0: Exactly. And I just had this overwhelming, like for me, my intuition is so strong. And I just had this overwhelming feeling. I was like, I have to write this book right now I have to write this book. And maybe it was my daughter like coming through me that was like, mom, write this, write this book because you need to talk about now. Like that book that you're going to do with dad, that can come later. But the next book is this book. And I just started writing and I just started typing, 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 wrote a whole proposal, sent it to my publisher and said, can I write this book instead? And they were like, sure. And I was like, okay wow, that's amazing. So they parked that idea and said, get to work, here's your deadline. And I just went for it and it flowed so effortlessly and came out of me very, very easily, which was really beautiful. I think I wrote it in a couple of months. And it just is the book that needs to be out now and Everyone who's read it so far has said that to me. They've said this could not have come at a better time because the book is ultimately, it's called Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy. And it's broken up into three parts. And it really, it's about like remembering how amazing you are. And when you actually remember how amazing you are, you won't compare yourself to anyone else. We're all on our own journey. We're all so unique. There is one in 400 trillion chances that you were born. Like you were born, like that your mom and your dad came together and you, that sperm, that egg, one in 400 trillion. Like if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. And when we really remember that, like we're all here for a reason. And when you really remember that, you will stop comparing yourself to other people and you'll stay in your own lane and you'll put your blinkers on and you'll just stop looking over there and over there and seeing what they're doing and what they're doing. And you just remember that I'm on my own path and this is this is perfect. And I'm here to share my message about, you know, for you, nutrition through your different mediums that you share it. And The book is really about coming back to that, like ultimate unconditional self-love so that you don't have to ever feel like you need to compare yourself to anyone else ever again. And that's my wish. And, you know, she came through halfway through writing the book and halfway through, like, I've got goosebumps. I just felt even more like she was like, mum, you have to help people with this. Like you have to help people remember that they are so amazing and so perfect just as they are and you have to help them. And I would think about her and I was like, would I want my daughter to compare herself and to think she was less than or not good enough? No way. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. This beautiful little thing to think, oh, she's better than me or or to have these toxic thoughts or suicidal thoughts like, oh, my gosh. That is why we need to do something about this ourselves so that we can help the younger generation. And as you know, the last chapter of the book is all about parenting and how we can support them whilst they grow up in this social media world. Do
1: you think... In many ways, that first book that you mentioned earlier that you picked up when you were starting to sort of change your lifestyle, do you think the effect that that book had on your life is is also a huge inspiration for the reason that you continue to write books because you understand how impactful they can be?
0: Absolutely. And I remember reading that book and then a little bit into my journey, I remember thinking I want to write that book for someone else. I want to write the book that people go, this book changed my life. And I share that in Mastering Your Mean Girl, my first book, and people come up to me at my events and they say, your book was my Louise Hayes book that changed. And I'm like, oh, like that's what I wanted to write for out, for the younger generation. I wanted to write that book. And that's, yeah, I love, I love sharing in written form. I love being able to distill Spiritual or sometimes esoteric concepts into very digestible language for people, and that's that's what I. And you've done a
1: fantastic job. I mean, the, the way you break it down and and some of the strategies which we'll go through and the symptoms, it is it's very accessible information. And there's a lot of uh, aha moments where you, where it's easy to to pick up. Well, th- yes, this is happening with me, and then. There are some very simple strategies that I can use to to stop falling into this trap. So you've done a wonderful job on that. I hope Kathy gets a copy of this book.
0: <laughs> Definitely, I will send her a copy for <laughs> sure.
1: So on the the idea of signs and symptoms, uh, warning signs. How? What are some of those signs and symptoms that exist that maybe will help? someone identify if they're falling into comparisonitis?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so in the book I share 10, but I'll just share a couple because we'll be here for days. <laughs> uh, but one of the most common signs is that very loud inner critic. So if you've got that 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 loud inner critic that's saying, oh, what are they doing and I'm not good enough or... Um, Comparing, just constantly comparing inside your head in a negative way and it's very loud, like that's a sign that you might be suffering from comparisonitis. Another one is feeling like you're behind, like feeling like, oh, my God, everyone's already bought a house or everyone's already having babies and getting married and starting their business. Like I know for me when I was 27, which is when I met Nick, That's considered late to meet your life partner. And all my school friends were on to like their second and third kid and been married in their early 20s. And there was this sense of like social conditioning and like my mum coming in saying, you better hurry up, darling. Like, it's you know, you're behind. I always knew within my heart that, It was not my time. Like I was so focused on building my career and writing books and podcasting and travelling the world and doing book tours and I loved that so much. And that's what was true for me in that moment. And, you know, now we're having our first baby. So if you're constantly feeling like you're behind, whether it's with babies, buying houses, I'm too old to go to college or go back to university, everyone else has done that. Uh, Those sorts of things, or getting married, that feeling of behindness is definitely a sign that you might be suffering from comparisonitis. Um, So they're like the two biggest ones that I want people to look out for.
1: And then once you are made aware that perhaps you are experiencing comparisonitis, where do you start? How do you how do you unpack that? How do you retrain your mind to? avoid that and to to realize that you are enough.
0: I've got a strategy in the book called the Aces technique and it's a four-step technique and it's mainly you know it's it's to help you feel ace again because usually when you're comparing yourself to someone you don't feel very good. You feel pretty icky about yourself. You feel a bit heavy right? And so when you come out of that, you I want you to feel ACE again. And this is this technique that it's four steps, right? And you can apply this anytime you find yourself comparing yourself to anyone. And it stands for, uh, it's an acronym. So the first letter stands for awareness. You have to become aware of when you're comparing yourself to someone else. And that requires you to tune in And a lot of people busy themselves so much and there's so much noise that they say to me, oh, I can't, I can't like get quiet and I can't go inward. And I'm like, yes, you can. Everyone can. But we just need to become aware that where we're comparing ourselves, what are the triggers? Like, what are your triggers? Is it a particular person? Is it social media? Is it a particular account on social media? Like even write it down. Like where do you compare yourself? Get really clear on that. So that's the first step. Because with all transformation, and we were t- chatting about this last night, awareness is like the first step. Like once you are aware and you have the knowledge you can then transform. But if you don't have the awareness and the knowledge,
1: you can't skip that step.
0: You can't skip it. Like, how are you going to change, make changes in your mental health or in your nutrition if you don't even have that awareness and that knowledge there? That's the first step. It wouldn't
1: be meaningful and it would be much less likely to stick.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, that is the first step. And then C stands for choosing a different path. So I personally believe that in every moment we have a choice, you know. No one's got a gun to our head. We have a choice and we can choose to go down that comparison path and spiral into that dark place or we can choose to go and choose a different way of feeling. And so for me, I'm like, okay, I'm aware that I'm comparing myself to so-and-so In this moment, I have one or two choices. I can go that way and I can spiral down or I can go over there and I can use it as inspiration and motivation. And I talk about that in the book, like using it as fuel for the good, right? That's a
1: healthy comparison.
0: That's a healthy comparison, exactly. So seeing this New York Times bestseller, using that, I could go down and down and down and spiral or I can use it as fuel for myself to continue to just write books because otherwise I could be like, oh, I'm not good enough and just not write
1: so the difference is that in one hand, comparing yourself to a New York Times bestseller is a positive inspiration, empowering you to, to write and to create as an example that exists out there of what someone can do. Exactly. Versus looking at what they're doing and the inner critic starting to surface.
0: Exactly. So that's the second step is like you get to choose which path do you want to go down you choose. So
1: comparison's going to pop up. Yeah. You're saying just inevitably. Yeah. And then choose.
0: You choose. That's the second step. And you have the power. You have that power. Like like with nutrition, you can choose to eat the crap or you can choose to eat the bowl of delicious vegetables. Like you have a choice. Like no one's forcing you to eat that. So we have the power, we have the choice. Uh so that is the second step, the third step E stands for eliminate. So we want to remove the trigger, right? And this isn't about spiritual bypassing. This is about, it's like there's a hot kettle and you keep touching it. In like It's like you keep touching it and going, why am I still getting burned? Why am I still getting burned? It's like, well, let's just remove it so that the wound on your hand can heal. And then, you know, you can put the kettle back there and you'll know not to touch it. And so it's like Elim- a
1: tangible elimination.
0: Exactly. So what is it for you? Like if the trigger is social media, let's remove it for a bit. Like let's just like or even unfollow some accounts that are triggering you that aren't inspiring you or if it's a particular person, maybe spending less time with that person, whatever it is. And if you can't eliminate for some reason, you could say it's like a in-person interaction, like you're at an event or something like that. You could exit the situation and what I mean by that is say you're at a dinner and all of your girlfriends are talking about just falling pregnant and you've been struggling to conceive for five years, one of my friends, eight years, rounds and rounds of IVF. And if that's really triggering you, you're allowed to go to the bathroom and remove yourself from that situation and exit that situation. You're allowed to go and get some fresh air and just remove yourself for a minute, to take a deep breath, and then you can go back. Or I share this story in the book when my best friend tells me she's pregnant. And uh, for those that have been following me or have read the book will know that it took us an 18-month period. And when my best friend told me she was pregnant... All I wanted to say to her was like, I'm so happy for you and really mean it with every fiber of my being, but I just wanted to cry. Like I was just, wanted to cry. I was happy for her, but like I still wanted to cry at the same time. And you can either, if you can't eliminate or exit, you can just exhale. So what I did in that situation is just me and her. I just exhaled and I took a deep breath. And I just came back to the present moment. And I did say, I'm so happy for you, even though there was a part of my heart that was just like yearning to be a mum. So that's, that's tough. Oh, it was so tough. And I share the whole story in the book about how... Is that how, in the,
1: the fractured friendship section or is that different? Yes,
0: yeah, and how to fix that. Yes, so there's a whole chapter, chapter called um, Fixing Fractured Friendships. And I share another story at the end of the book where I had another friend tell me she was pregnant and finally got to that place where I could look her in the eyes even though I wasn't pregnant at the time and said to her, I'm so happy for you and I meant it with every cell in my body and every fibre of my being and I didn't spiral into comparisonitis. And so that's the third step. You can either eliminate, exhale or exit the situation.
1: It's a great acronym.
0: I know. And then the the fourth S in the ACEs technique stands for um, shifting your state. So often, and Tony Robbins talks a lot about this, he talks about changing your state and he gets you, like if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, it's like all about changing your state. And uh, in that step, it's about shifting your state. So doing something that can help you elevate or, um, you know, just shift your energy a little bit. So dancing, jumping up and down, whatever you got to do, go for a swim in the ocean, go for a run. Exactly. Go for a run. Just do something that will help you feel good in yourselves again and feel like come back to yourself. So that's the little four-step process. And you can literally, I do this anytime comparison comes up for me, still to this day anytime. And it allows me to move from comparison comparisonitis to, or not suffer from comparisonitis, like comparing to inspiration very quickly. Where in the past I would have spiraled into comparisonitis. I would have probably hung out there for a couple of weeks or months and felt really down about myself. And now I can quickly move through it a lot faster, which is ultimately what we want to do.
1: How do you, how do you recommend friends kind of approach this, say one of your good friends you're noticing is comparing themselves a lot in a comparisonitis, comparison, it's hard to say sometimes, (laughs) comparisonitis, uh, manner, Um, these unhealthy comparisons. What's the best way of approaching that in terms of having a conversation with them about that.
0: Mm, And I've definitely seen this with my friends for sure. And I think our role is to reflect that back to our friends and family members and just to remind them just how amazing they are and how they're on their own unique path. And, you know, even just saying something like, you know, there was one in 400 trillion chances that you were born, like just reminding them of how amazing they are. How amazing. I think that's a beautiful thing that you can do for a friend. If if you see them starting to spiral downward, just remind them and support them and help them and, you know, maybe ask them, is there anything I can do to support you? But just even reminding them, because often it's all, that's all we need is just someone, someone just to remind us in that moment that we are enough, that we don't need to compare, that we're on our own journey And that we are amazing because we all are. We're all amazing. It's very
1: easy to lose that perspective.
0: Oh, yeah. Very, very easy. And especially if you are surrounded by negativity, surrounded by toxicity or, you know, whether it's in your relationships, your work environment, your food, you know, whatever it is, if you're surrounded by that, it's very easy to spiral down. So we've got to look at all the areas of our life.
1: And we, we touched on social media before, but maybe we dive a little deeper into influencer culture and I guess this in many ways artificial environment where it's a highlight reel and it's not truly representative of the real world and that can play on our mind. You, you write about this area in detail in the book what are, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about in terms of the, the social media influencer space?
0: Mm. I dedicated a whole chapter to this because I think it's really important that we talk about it uh, because everyone, if you have an Instagram account, you're an influencer. Like, you are influencing the people that follow you. And then there's, like, influencers that do this for a job, like, an actual living. And that's how they make all their money. And I think we need to remember that those people, that is their job. And if it is their job, they it's their portfolio. It's like an architect, you know, put with their portfolio or, or someone with their resume. They're Social media is their portfolio. So they're gonna put their best work forward. Like me as an when I was an actor, I used to have a show reel. I'm not gonna put my worst work on my show reel and like give that to casting directors and be like, here you go. Like I put my best work on my showreel. And same with social media, influencers are putting their best stuff on there. It is the highlights reel, you know. It's they usually and and I think everyone knows that, but they forget that.
1: And you're in your own body every minute, 24 hours of the day, comparing your every moment of your life to a highlight reel. I think that's a bit of a bit of you know, part of this problem.
0: Exactly. And this is what we need to be aware of, and especially for our young young ones, you know, like they and even me, like I forget. Like I'm looking at these images and I'm like, I forget, oh yeah, that's they don't they don't wake up looking like that. And their food isn't always perfectly styled like that, I'm sure. And their kitchen probably isn't always as clean as that, you know. Like we just forget those things. And so it's really important that we remember that it is the highlight reel and that a lot of these people, there's professional photographers, professional videographers, there's hair and makeup, professional stylists, you know there's so much that goes into these photos and they're beautiful but we have to remember that it's not it is the highlight it's not just them waking up in the morning
1: is is the onus purely on the brows of the person being influenced or do you also feel like the influencer has a certain responsibility where do you where do you land on that because that's tricky as you say it's their job the you know the images can be very beautiful but where do you see the responsibility sort of lying
0: i kind of like when an influencer you know i see some influencers that do before and afters you know whether there's like a perfectly posed photo or like a guy flexing and then there's like the next slide is like him with it, like letting it all out you know and then sharing just honestly and vulnerably and authentically. I like that, but I feel like it is their portfolio. Like it's like me walking into an architect firm and and saying you should put your crappy houses in here too. Like why would they do that? Like why why would they do that? They would put their best work in there because they want to win the job you know that this is their job that's how they get paid so i do yeah it's like it's a fine line but i do love when the influencers do post these more real everyday photos i love that but and you know for the person scrolling it's our responsibility to remember that and you know i talk about this is like be intentional with why you're on social media you have to remember that it's not a neutral tool you know if you watch the social dilemma it's not a neutral tool they're there to keep you on there as long as possible you know and to monopolize on you like it's that's what they're there for to keep you on there as long as possible they have the same tactics as casinos and things like that so they want you on the platform that's how they drive. So we have to be intentional about well, why am I going on? What's my intention? And what I do and what I share in the book is for me, before I open it, I will say to myself, like, what is my intention? Sometimes I even write it down. So like my intention is to post this photo and this, co- and this caption and then I'm going to check my DMs and then I'm going to respond to comments for like 10 minutes. That's my three things. Because once I open it, you just can get sucked into this vortex.
1: Yeah, and back to your earlier point uh, around curating who like who are you following? Because that's going to affect the environment that is within that app.
0: Absolutely. And be really intentional. Like follow people that inspire you, that light you up, that educate you, that entertain. You know, they're the things that, the people that I follow, entertaining, educational, inspirational.
1: So same sort of thinking as what you said earlier in terms of when you leave someone's presence or a conversation, how do you feel?
0: And if there's someone that you're following that doesn't fall under those categories of inspiration, entertaining or educational, like really ask yourself, well, why do I, am I still holding on? And it comes back to that people-pleasing maybe and that should I should, should, I should follow that person because they're following me and it's my cousin or whatever, but they're so negative or all they do is post about this, this, and this and just doesn't make me feel good. And this isn't about, I talk about graciously unfollowing. It's just, you know, graciously unfollow. You don't have to like go and write, I'm unfollowing you because that's happened to me and it doesn't feel nice. You don't need to do that. Just unfollow and follow people that inspire you and that light you up. So, I think coming back to the influencer, like remembering that this is their highlights. And another thing I talk about in the book is to remember to zoom out. Like when you're looking at a photo, this perfect photo, you don't know what's on the outside of that photo. Like you don't know what's going on. And, like, you know, say you see this perfect kitchen and there's like this beautiful. Organic vegan chocolate orange tart or something on the bench. You don't know what's going on on the outside. Like there might be a screaming toddler. That's like, mom. Probably is. Let's be honest. (laughs) Give me some pie. Like you don't know, you don't know. Like the 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 rest of the house might look like an absolute bomb. She may have just had a fight with her husband. Like this, you just don't know what's on the outside. And you know, I share stories about when we were in Greece and I had to get all this content um, for some brands that I was working with. And captured the most stunning photos of us in the Greek islands. And, you know, little did anyone know behind the scenes is like my bonus son's like cranky, tired over it. Like, come on, guys, let's go. We'd been there for like three hours, whatever. Nick's like, okay, babe, seriously, like you need to just... (laughs) <laughs> you need to get this photo because like I'm hungry and we didn't come to Greece to take photos. like you know, and then there's this perfect photo of uh, me in Santorini, like in this beautiful <laughs> blue dress and no, you didn't see you didn't see all of that on the background and all the clothes on the floor. and so to just to zoom out, like you're not unless someone's posting 24/7 live. You know, they've got a camera crew following them. Like, you don't know what's going on for someone. Like, you have no idea. And I think we need to have compassion and kindness. We have no idea what's going on outside the lens for other people. And we can't judge. I talk about judging a lot. Like, we can't judge other people. We have to be really mindful of our judgments. And anytime we judge someone, it's just a reflection of us. You know, it comes back to us. What are we judging within ourselves? I like to ask myself that whenever I feel judgy.
1: Very, very useful information, that that example of the, the kitchen with the, the pie. I can see myself now scrolling through thinking, my kitchen never looks that clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, or Tanya, same, you know, the same thing, thinking, you know, why am I not able to keep the house as clean as other people? And that's obviously just one example, but it speaks to everything that we're talking about. You mentioned before about the book covering strategies and tips for parents and this sort of importance of as a parent or a parent-to-be or an uncle or a friend of a young child, um, the importance of understanding comparisonitis and then being able to help them navigate this space, better navigate this space, and to give them some strategies. You dedicated an entire chapter, I think, on this. Can you run me through what the sort of key takeaways are for a parent?
0: I think if we want to help our children with comparisonitis, the first step is we have to heal it within ourselves first because children copy everything we do, food habits, everything. Relationship habits, comparisonitis, like they are like sponges and they don't learn by being told. They learn by watching what their mom and dad do. And that is where we need to embody self-confidence, radical self-love, radical self-acceptance. If we're embodying that and not comparing, they are a lot less likely to compare themselves to other people. And so I share a story in the book about one of my girlfriends who has a teenage daughter. Oh, no, at this time she was probably about nine or ten and she walked into her mum's room and she was just in her undies. She just had a shower or something. She came in and she's like pinching her belly and she said, Mum, am I fat? And her mum was like, no, darling, like why, why would you say that? No, not at all. You're beautiful. And she said, well everyone says that I look like you and you always say that you're fat and you're always comparing yourself to other people on Instagram, those fitness models, and everyone says I look like you, so surely I'm fat too. And my friend's jaw just hit the floor and her heart sank. And she was like, not at all, darling, you are so beautiful, and reassured her and then the daughter left and she was sat on her bed just crying going, what have I just taught my daughter? What have I taught my daughter by scrolling and then comparing outwardly to other women and going, oh, she's had three kids and look at her abs, you know, just things like that. Those little comments, look at her. She bounced back so quickly after her baby, like something like that. And then walking past the mirror, And just kind of even like rolling her eyes at her own belly. Like even if you don't say anything and you roll your eyes, your children know what you just did. Like they are so smart. And so that is all programming and that is all subconscious conditioning and and programming that we're doing to them. And so the first thing that you need to do if you want to help your children not suffer is heal it within yourself. Embody it within yourself first. Same with any area of your life. Lead by example. Lead by example.
1: I had this question the other day um, at the retreat that I was at in Byron. And it was a a woman, I'm not sure how old she was, but she had a 19-year-old son and she wanted him to make some changes to his diet and she asked me how she could navigate that a little better because he hadn't been so receptive and i kind of laughed and said you know when i was a 19 year old uh, i probably wouldn't have listened to my mum either but what i would have done is watched and followed and if that food was showing up and i was seeing how tasty and delicious it was and it kept showing up i would have naturally been more inclined to start taking interest rather than someone just telling me so it's it's a really important reminder about how powerful leading by example can be.
0: 100%. Every area, relationships, food, comparisonitis. You know, if you want your child to follow their dreams, are you following your dreams? You know, there's so, if you want your child to exercise and move their body, are you exercising and moving your body? If you want them to make healthy choices, are you making healthy choices? If you want them to embody, Self-love, are you embodying self-love? You know, that is the number one place that we can help our children and not only our children, like our friends, our family, our parents, like anyone in our life. If we want to inspire anyone, embodiment. We have to lead by example and practice what we preach and teach and talk about because you know what it's like. Yeah, you can't tell people what to do. They learn by watching you. And in the Vedic community, they talk about uh, waiting for the worthy inquiry. So waiting for people to come and ask, instead of preaching and like forcing things down people's throat, you've got to eat this way and you've got to love yourself and you've got to follow your dreams and you've got to hang around with these people. No one wants to be told what to do. But if you are embodying it and then they come to you and they have this inquiry. So Simon, you know, I noticed that like, Your skin glows and your eyes are so bright and you look so healthy and vital and strong. Like, what are you doing? Like, could you share something? You know, could you share some information with me? Like that inquiry's there. And then this person on the other end is like open to receiving where I know when I first started on this health journey back in 2010, I just wanted to preach it from the mountaintops. I was like, mom, you've got to eat quinoa. You've got to drink green smoothies. And she was just like, you have got to stop. You know, I'm on my own journey. And I'm like, yes, you are. And they'll occasionally ask me things. But, you know, you can't force it down someone's throat. You can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. So that's like the best thing for parenting, the embodiment.
1: On a parting note if someone listening, other than getting a copy of your book, Comparisonitis, which as I said at the beginning is such a powerful message and and so needed right now. But as a parting note, if someone listening to this, this message is really landing and they have been down in the dumps and they think that they are really affected by Comparisonitis, what would your personal message to them be?
0: Besides getting the book, definitely just remember that you are here for a reason and that you matter and you have something to share with the world. You have a gift. We all do. And whether that's being the best mama that you can be or it's starting a nutrition podcast or writing books or creating epic music, whatever it is, you have something to share and you just remember that. Remember that you are here for a reason, that you are so unique and precious and beautiful and sacred. And there's no mistake. There was no mistake that you are here. And just remember that. And you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else because you're just amazing, just as you are. Thank you, Melissa.
1: Thank you for writing the book in the first place. It's a gift, very timely. And I look forward to having you back on the show for round two. Next time we can jump into what life is like as a plant-based mother.
0: Oh, I would love that. <laughs> I could talk about babies, parenting, pregnancy, motherhood, any of that. So I would love to come Let's back. Let's
1: that. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. So much fun.
1: There we go. I hope that you took away a few gems from that one. I know that I certainly did. If you did and you want to learn more about comparisonitis, make sure you grab yourself a copy of Melissa's new book today. You can find comparisonitis at all good bookstores Amazon, Book Depository, Booktopia, Dimmicks, Angus and Robertson, Barnes and Noble's, etc., etc. It's a, a great gift, not only to yourself, but to anyone you know who may be finding themselves stuck in. The downward spiral that is comparisonitis i'm going to leave this one here i really hope today's episode and the information covered does in fact help you better navigate the world of social media and unhealthy comparison in general we are all brilliant in our own unique ways don't forget that and there really is no point beating ourselves up over whether we are good enough we are good enough and the moment we start believing that the moment we start walking through life much more full of energy and love for others and ourselves as always please do let me know how this landed for you tag at plant underscore proof and melissa at melissa ambrosini on the socials thanks for hanging out I'll catch you all in next week's episode when we get to do this all over again. In the meantime, more plants, my friends. More plants.